Welcome to the Thriller Fiction Podcast. And now, here's your host, Jim Heskett. Lane Parrish stood in the doorway of the Firehouse Restaurant in South Fork. He shook snow from the shoulders of his jacket and then patted a hand to shuck the moisture from his short blonde hair. A shudder traveled through him as snow trickled down the back of his shirt. He rarely let the cold bother him, but this winter at 8,000 feet in southwest Colorado, it had been brutal. Were it not for the recent abundance of powder days at nearby Wolf Creek Ski Area, he might have stayed near his daughter and ex-wife in Denver. But since his getaway days were few and far between, he had to take his opportunities when he could. Cameron wasn't old enough to learn to ski yet. Next winter, though, he'd have that little one on stubby and short skis working the french fries and pizza. A server marched up to him, a wide woman with bright red lips and a smile that looked like she'd been wearing it for the duration of her shift. One for dinner? Lane nodded. Table, please. She guided him toward a table in the middle of the room. The firehouse was a barn-like country cooking establishment, with pizzas and steaks and a limitless choice of beers. They'd adorned the wooden walls with a selection of flags of various college sports teams. An array of televisions showed a college bowl game to the alternating cheers and jeers of everyone present. Lane sat and picked up a laminated menu from between the ketchup and mustard dispenser bottles. His eyes trailed over the menu, although he knew the choices by heart. There weren't many places to eat out in South Fork. He'd nearly settled on a grilled chicken sandwich when the chicken fried steak jumped out at him. An intriguing option. He closed the menu and let his eyes drift up to the television hovering on the wall above him. The camera panned by a sweeping shot of smiling kids at the football game. Painted faces, foam hands, shouting youths excited for their team were drunk enough to approximate team spirit. Then Lane noted something peculiar across the restaurant. A man sitting alone at a table. Not that it was odd for a man to sit alone at a table, but there was something about this guy that didn't feel right to Lane. A short and scruffy white guy with a salt and pepper beard, the man stared at the menu. But he wasn't staring at it, he was staring through it. He wasn't studying what he wanted for dinner, he was zoned out with unfocused eyes. Lane put him at about 45 or 50 years old, a little on the pudgy side, with messy hair and dark bags under his brown eyes. During ten years in the espionage game, Lane had studied hundreds of people. And before that, pursuing a master's in psychology, Lane had learned a lot about human behavior and appearance, enough to get a blink test of someone and know when they would do something unpredictable. This guy was not right. Lane didn't think he looked like a terrorist, but if Lane were providing security for a VIP at the restaurant tonight, he would certainly have pulled this guy aside for questioning. The man was wearing baggy jeans with tatters near the bottoms, a little too long for his frame, heavy-duty work boots that looked at least five years old. He was wearing a hoodie with the word Creed emblazoned across the chest. Creed was a nearby former mining town 20 minutes along the highway from here, one of the towns in this county that locals referred to as Texas North, given the number of Lone Star State residents who'd either moved there or had summer homes in the area. The man leaned back, stretching in his chair. When he lifted his hands to rub his face, the hoodie rode up. Lane caught a glance at a Colt revolver shoved into the man's pants. Lane's heart thumped a little faster. Not that the sight of a gun was anything to cause panic, Lane himself often went out with a concealed weapon. Not usually when in South Fork, though, and not tonight. But the sight of this peculiar man packing did something to Lane. 
It was enough to pique his interest and make him want to ask a few questions. The server sauntered toward Lane, a little pad of paper in her hand, but he waved her off and rose from the table. Sights set on the armed man, Lane marched across the restaurant. The guy paid no attention to him as Lane approached. He stopped in front of his table. Hi. The man looked up, his unfocused eyes blinking a few times. What? I'm Lane. What's your name? William, the man said, stammering. Do I... do I know you? Lane pulled back the chair opposite Williams and had a seat. I don't think so. It's a small town, so I'm sure we would have probably run into each other before. You from around here, William? The older man took a moment to answer the question. His eyes flicked all around as if he were processing the scenario in front of him or looking for an escape route. No, I'm, I'm from Pagosa originally. I used to live here a few years ago. I moved up to Creed, though. Ah, I see. What are you doing in town, man? Passing through? William frowned. I don't see how how it's any of your business. I, I think I don't think I said you could come sit down at my table. He took a shuddering breath and crossed his arms. I, I'd like you to leave and go back to your own table. This is my space. Standing up to people clearly wasn't William's strong suit. A smear of panic spread across his face and then he drew himself in, maybe expecting retaliation from Lane. But Lane kept his expression neutral and his body language open. He didn't scowl or mirror William's crossed arm defense mechanism. See, William, that's where you're wrong. It is my business. This is my town. He pointed at a long table on the other side of the restaurant at a group of people cheering as the running back on the TV broke a tackle to score a touchdown. Those are my people over there. They're all having a good time, enjoying their dinners and the ball game. Are you a cop or something? Lane shook his head. Just a concerned citizen. And you are concerned about? What are you going to do with that gun in your waistband, William? The other man's head jerked like a reaction to being sprayed in the face with a water bottle. What gun? William, I saw the piece. Why do you keep saying my name? Who the hell are you? Lane leaned in a little closer. What are you going to do with that gun? Why are you in town tonight? She, she, I don't want to talk about it. It's none of your damn business anyway. The picture began to form in Lane's mind. What did she do, William? Did she kick you out? Is that why you're up in Creed now? I don't have to tell you anything, William said, his chest pumping in and out, shoulders rising and falling. His eyes flared for a brief second and his teeth came together with a snap, jaw clenched. Lane had to make a choice. As docile and sad as William seemed, everyone had a breaking point. Push a man too far and he might do something to surprise even himself. William was armed and Lane wasn't. Although Lane had 50 or more pounds on him, the gun would be a powerful equalizer. But then again, if Lane walked away right now, the question would burn at him. What did William intend to do with that pistol? I want to help you, Lane said. Bullshit! You're just like the rest of them. It's all hidden so deep in the fine print, you don't know what you're signing your life away until it's too late. Signing his life away? Lane's eyes opened as the realization dawned on him. She didn't kick you out, did she, William? She had you committed. William chewed on his lip and said nothing. Air whistled in and out of his nose. Across the room, the football fans cheered, oblivious to the conversation at this table. Was it your wife? Sister? Mother? William winced as his eyes grew wet. My daughter. She's the one who done this to me. How did you get out? 
Was it the kind of place you could walk out of, or did you go over a wall? William said nothing. His eyes again unfocused, and he stared through Lane, lips sealed tight. What are you going to do with that gun, William? Stop saying my name! Half the restaurant had turned to observe the outburst. Until that point, they'd kept their conversation lower than the collective volume of the televisions. I'm not trying to make you upset, Lane said. I'm trying to help you. You want to know how you can help me? Go back to your own fucking table. I don't know how many times I have to ask you. For a brief second, they both seemed frozen, waiting for the other to act. Lane knew it was happening the moment William's eyes dipped down. He snaked a hand underneath his hoodie and wrapped his palm around the pistol grip. When he drew it up, he didn't point it at Lane. Rather, he made a motion to raise it. He intended to put the gun against his own temple. Lane snapped into action. He lurched across the table, one hand to grasp at the gun, the other to restrain William's opposite arm. William's finger was already on the trigger. Lane couldn't free it from his grasp in time, so he switched from pulling to pushing, and he forced William's arm straight up. He locked his elbow in place, a straight line to the ceiling. The gun went off. The blast rocked Lane's ears. A single bullet cracked the plastic cover of the back of fluorescent lights above. Chunks of plastic and shreds of broken light bulb cascaded through the air like hail. Pieces landed in William's messy hair like huge chunks of dandruff. Lane jerked William's other hand across his body, turning him. With a grunt, Lane yanked William from the chair and forced him down onto the ground. He kept the gun pinned against the wood floor while he pulled the other hand behind William. Lane knelt on his back as William cried out. He released his grip on the pistol and Lane kicked it a few feet away. Why, William said, his face smushed into the ground, why are you doing this to me? I wasn't going to hurt anyone. Most of the restaurant patrons were now on their feet watching the scenario unfold. While keeping the pressure on William's back, Lane leaned down and whispered into his ear, Sorry, William, but you're my people too. William shut his eyes and Lane held him in place. Time seemed to slow as they stayed put. William didn't fight, but Lane didn't want to take the chance. He couldn't be sure William didn't have more weapons on him somewhere. After a few minutes of securing him as the restaurant patrons stared and the football game carried on noisily in the background, the police arrived and took William away. He glared at Lane on his way out, but Lane didn't take it personally. He wasn't going to let any of his people get hurt. Not in his town. That's it for this episode of the Thriller Fiction Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and visit jimheskett.com for more info and free thriller books.